We are the number one podcast for self-empowerment, the go-to podcast for people that are tired of living as a lesser version of themselves and who are ready to make a change in their lives and those around them. If you're tired of kneecapping your growth and settling for less than you know you deserve, this is the podcast for you. We are way too spicy, and this is the Success System Podcast. Welcome back to the Success System Podcast, brought to you by Way Too Spicy and you, our supporters. In our last episode, we interviewed leadership coach and trainer Zaina Habib and talked about her unique journey of building resilience while navigating change. If you haven't already heard that interview, we highly recommend that you check it out. But with that being said, let's jump into this week's episode. On this week's episode, we are interviewing Eric Wages. Eric is a jack of all trades, master of some, and wearer of multiple hats. Eric specializes in helping businesses and individuals in navigating mission-critical situations to improve team building and develop effective communication. Without further ado, let's welcome Eric to the Success System Podcast. How's it going, Eric? It's going. Thanks for having me. Thank you for sharing with us. For our audience who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, goodness. Um, I've had a fairly unique career. Um, I would say much uh, like your previous guest, I am a classically trained as an engineer, computer engineer specifically. Uh, I've done work for the federal government on supercomputing. I've worked for Google doing data centers. I've done corporate real estate. Uh, I've done lots of things. Yeah. Uh, but through this whole journey, I have really discovered one key element that always kind of struggles, right? Everyone always talks about the work. Mm -hmm. Very few people really talk about the people and mm -hmm. the challenges that we have as people trying to just navigate this space. So this is where I'm trying to dedicate a lot of my time is really elevating this conversation because a lot of people who are in these, in these roles are really stuck, right? It's, it's how do you admit a weakness when you're supposed to be someone who's in charge or someone who's supposed to have all the answers. I love that. And, you know, I had a question, you know, you've had all these um, plethora experiences and um, what would you say was like the defining factor that made you say, hey, you know, I'm noticing all these um, trends and, and patterns and in, in the people and what they're going through and dealing with. And people are, you know, unhappy, or, you know, they're working their, their selves off. And um, what was that breaking point for you that said, hey, I want to actually make a difference for individuals and help them get where they need to go? Yeah, that's a great question. <clears throat> I, I can think of one situation where uh, some of my peers who were, who managed their own large teams uh, were working all these crazy hours. Well, when you're in these very mission critical spaces where you're having to keep power plants running and, and nuclear power plants or whatever these situations might be, you're expected to work crazy hours around mm -hmm. the clock. But how do you separate those things? In this particular situation, my peer... Um, was kind of like heads down doing email at two o'clock in the morning on, on, on a Sunday morning. Um, and I just happened to be up because I, sometimes I can't sleep. Um, and I was like chatting with him. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, well, my boss just sent an email and I feel obligated to reply to it. And so I'm like, well, have, have you spoken to him about how you're 
kind of on edge waiting for all these things to come up. He's like, no, I, I, he's like, I, I can't do that. Right. My boss is the boss. And these are very, very senior people in their careers, right? They just don't know how to have the conversation. So I just basically went to this person's manager and I said, look, do you know that you're causing this level of anxiety in your team? Like this is just someone I see physically at my own site, like let alone the fact that you manage people all over the world. Do you know that you're doing this? And they were like, no. I'm like, do you know how to fix this? And they said, well, I have to do this work at this time because it's the only time I can, I can catch up. I'm like, yeah, but you know there's this little option in Gmail where you can like click a button that says scheduled send, right, that you can schedule these messages to be sent at 8 o'clock in the morning on a, on a Monday. And they just didn't know. And I'm like, because they, they're like, well, they didn't expect their people to be working this way, but the people felt obligated to respond because the manager did, right? So this is just one of the first examples where I'm just like, oh, man, no one knows how to even talk about their own experiences with people that should be in a position to welcome this feedback, right? This situation, like I am, I'm working 20 hours a day because it looks like you are, right? So there's this competition. We were talking about this like badge of honor, like, man, I, I, I have to go burn myself out because everyone is, and that's just not right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I agree with you. You said a lot of important things there, um, especially like, like, like burning yourself out and not even just, there's a lack of communication of sharing vulnerabilities and sharing stress between um, management and their employees. And it doesn't matter where you're at in that level. It just, it's just a different experience for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, noticing that this is a, this is an issue in our country. And we, something that we talked about um, during our, when we had an interview Mm -hmm. was really just having, um, well, I lost my thought. So we'll, can continue yeah. from there but okay well i have yeah. a question because yeah, it please. seems like you're very passionate about helping people you yes. know develop their communication skills especially with having the ability to communicate with their supervisors and managers mm-hmm. have you ever been in the shoes of that person who didn't know how to have that tough conversation boy uh early in my career yes yeah. absolutely right um one thing that i've learned over my time is uh your career doesn't have to define you Right. And so I, I've, I've become to the point where I've just become a little less fearful of like having tough conversations, mm-hmm. um, mainly because, you know, the, the, the work quality should stand out and be the thing that backs you up. And if now, granted, if you're kind of someone who's struggling and not producing well and like there's still a conversation to be had. But if you're actually trying to have a tough conversation with your manager about how they're doing, yeah. Um, I just stopped caring about the ramifications or what the potential ramifications are because that's just more stress that I can't control. Um, I mean, I was regularly working around uh, leaders in my organization because they didn't want to escalate issues. I'm just like, so like, do you want me to go to your boss? And they're like, uh, no. I'm like, well, you're not solving the problem and I know that I can't. So, you know, I just, I just kind of became a little, little, little fearless. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, it's just kind of become more ingrained where it's just like, you know, we, we just have the conversation. I know it's hard the first time because you're wondering about the what ifs. But if you kind of, if you're always stuck in this like, well, what if kind of mindset, I, you can invert that around and say, well, what if you don't do it? You're, you, nothing's ever going to change unless you actually ask for change. Yeah. So you got to take a little risk. So were you dealing with a lot of stress before you made that transition to be fearless and ask these questions and stand up for yourself and stop caring about the what is? Oh, man, all the time. Um, You know, I I was always 
I mean, I would get phone calls. I mean, my phone would rarely ring, but when it rings and you're in a dot com, it's like it's, no one's pinging you. It's like literally an emergency. And I would get called for emergencies on site, and because I was the guy that had to go deal with the news crews if they showed up. Um, and I got to the point where it's just like, you know, just 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 jump out there because it, you do no benefit to yourself of hiding. Mm-hmm. Because nine times out of ten, you don't have the answer. You might be the person who has to go, you know, show up with an answer. But that doesn't mean you are the one that has the answer itself, right? So having a really good team of people around you and, and being willing to say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a leader, that's, that's, that's a sign of weakness from many people's perspective. But from how I approach it, your job as a leader is to collect people around you that are better than you, mm-hmm. that can provide you information can feed you information that are willing to develop their own perspectives on how we approach a problem. Because if you're the one with all the answers, why is everyone else there? Yeah. Very true. Why are we paying them? Why, why are we paying them? And it could be just a volume perspective. Like, Hey, we have to go get more done. So we need more people. But when you get to these kinds of levels, this is not why the people are there, right? It's, you know, how do I make better decisions? How do I communicate better? And nine times out of ten, this really starts with communicating with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how do I know what I'm going through? How do I know how to talk about what I'm going through? How do I know how to reach out to my, not just my manager, but my peers, my family, you know, my, my support network around me? And that's a very scary thing if you don't know how to put words on it. Mm-hmm. And so how do you? I, I, and I was just going to ask, how did you know the first time that you need to have that conversation? Question. Yeah. Same. <laughs> oh, man. Um I think it really came down to the situation where I, I, I can't remember specifically the scenario because um, I've had a few of these like crucible moments in my life. But what I imagined is, is this scenario where I'm like, it, what's going to happen if I do nothing, right? So a lot, of, a lot of the way I look at the world is really like what they call Goldilocks modeling. You have three options. Uh, you never underestimate the do nothing option, so it should always be proposed. Like here, like that way, it's a very clear way to articulate what the current state is and where you think it's going to continue. So the do nothing option is always there, and then there's always two more choices. Uh, so much like the Goldilocks, the you know the the, the porridge, the, the hot, medium, hot, hot, lukewarm, and cold, right? Mm-hmm. And having this mindset of being able to look at these three modes allowed me to really say. You know, I have to do something differently because if I don't do something, I can see where it's going. So a lot of things that you said, uh, I thought they were very important, right? Because you talk about, um, and you didn't say the word, but I would say you're creating boundaries with yourself for your job, right? At the end of the day and um, being able to communicate with yourself. So if you were giving it to your clients, how would you help them start that journey of communicating with themselves and creating those boundaries? Oh, great question. Um, So... Um, I'm I'm a part of a very small network of consultants that kind of subscribe to this mindset that we call the genius spark, uh, and it's kind of built on the back of a lot of these other you know, strength assessments where you know you you go fill out a report, you get a little piece of paper back that says who I am, but that's a very two dimensional thing. It says okay, now what do I do with this information? So once I work with people to kind of create an action plan around that, so here basically it's like here's the stuff that allows me to be awesome with this. And if I know what I'm supposed to be awesome at, it allows me to also acknowledge where I'm also going to be. I don't like the word weakness, right? It's just I'm not as strong. Um, so a lot of people don't know what they're, what they're strong at. 
So once you know how you've identified this strength, it becomes a way to set boundaries. Like, I know I need to go ask for help if I have to go do this activity that's not in my in my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. right? So once you're able to kind of like use this as a lens on, the, on your world around you, it allows you to really assess, is this something that I have to tackle alone and just have it be hard work, which is very realistic, right? Or is there someone that has a skill that I think maps to this challenge that I'm facing that I can pull in, and that could be a report, that could be a peer, it could be a family member, whatever that is. And then it's like, what's the vision that I have of where this is going to go once that is successful, right? So you have to know what you're good at and where you're going mm-hmm. um, and be honest with yourself with, with what this looks like. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we found where our clients is the honesty part, right? Mm-hmm. It's like nobody really wants to get honest or talk about the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. And so um, what are some of the resistance or, uh, you know, things that are stopping people from confronting the honesty or the truthfulness boy you, from your perspective yeah. you said two of my favorite words mm-hmm. uh there is a difference between truth and honesty mm. uh, truth requires having knowledge and context right um you can be truthful um, about an item but not have any knowledge right how you approach communicating this is what honesty is, right? So if you're honest with yourself, you're actually sharing how you are functioning with the data that you have, the information you have. I'm actually was just talking to someone yesterday about, you know, a challenge they have. They have to go put together this big presentation and go share it out with a bunch of people. And they're they're like, I know that this isn't really valuable. It's kind of a little bit dishonest because this isn't the thing that's probably going to happen. But they're being asked to by by their leadership. And I'm like, well, you can convert things that you feel you're being dishonest about into truths. And he's like, well, what, what do you mean? I said, well, what are the things that you can talk about that are true, that support the outcome that you know factually are, are real rather than this future, which is not sure. Um, and he's like, well, what, can you give me some examples? And this, this particular case was about growth, right? So like I'm trying to teach people about growth opportunities. And instead of saying, hey, we're going to go grow our organization by – 50 people and you know these are all the jobs coming which is you can't predict that with certainty you can talk about what are the opportunities that you have for using company resources to grow like hey educational reimbursement or hey you know here's this membership to a professional organization so talk about those things because those are truths and you can be honest about those truths whereas being forced to put yourself in a position as a leader to communicate something that you can't truly be honest about because you don't know for certain and so he he's he had to process this. He's like, oh my god, because they feel bad if they have to communicate something that's wrong, or you feel that you have to communicate something that's not complete. And so you know, how do you convert these things so that you're only communicating truth in an honest manner is is, is a big challenge. I'm very curious as to how that works from the other perspective because I know you talked a lot about how as a leader you need to really create this environment where one you humble yourself enough to understand that people who report to you may know more than you in a certain Mm -hmm. subject matter but also maintaining that well that's the point of me being a leader and having these people around me but on the flip side that as someone who is a subordinate to a leader Mm -hmm. how would you recommend opening that door and starting to have those conversations where hey, maybe as the subordinate, I have an idea that I think is better than the one that the leader is actually pushing us to do. 
Boy, yeah, that's a good one. In <clears throat> uh, that that culture is very organization dependent. Mm-hmm. Like some some organizations are command and control. The boss, you can feed them information, but the boss makes the call. And then there are ones which are very much the opposite, where it's it's a very collaborative environment, and the but the boss still makes the call. Ultimately, this comes down to the difference between accountability and responsibility. Two more of my favorite words. Um, accountability is where you are in charge, but you don't have to do the work. In other words, you get the praise and the punishment if it doesn't go well. Right, you're on the hook. Responsibility is is the people who get the praise when it goes well, but they don't get the downside because they're the ones who are just doing what they were told to do. Often you can be the same person. Those two roles can be the same person. But when you're a leader, you're almost responsible for nothing. You're the ones who are making the call, and you have this team of people supporting, and you're basically giving direction, like go do this, go do that, and, you know, and then you collect that results, and then you, you know, help process that. that. Um, for me, the first time... I had to realize that my success was measured by the impact of the people that worked for me, that I couldn't actually go do the work. That was a complete like mind change for me where that became something I actually communicated then like, Hey, when I write my own self-assessment, I am going to be talking about the work that you have done that I have enabled that I have guided you and I've steered you on. Not that I've done the work, but I get to frankly derive the, some of the out, the, the impact of that. Because what are the things that I influenced with that mindset that st- that did that steering? That's where a really good leader knows how to communicate their truth and honesty of how they're approaching that relationship. To your question, though, is like how do I deal with a bad manager, right? Who who, who isn't that open? Um, it's a tough one. Um, it's a it's a case of this. You have to take a little risk. You have to take a little gamble in this. You know, dabbling these experiments of trying things. You know, and say, hey, I think we should do X, whatever that is, and see how it's received. And if you look around the table and you got a bunch of people like giving you like little shifty eyes, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. Like, you know, you have a signal that like you're, you're on, some, on something nice. But hopefully you can create a track record of some level of feedback. You know, it's managing upwards is one of the hardest things that you can do. Um, and it's a very organization-dependent thing of how receptive they are. What I traditionally find is managers who are not receptive to, to feedback focus heavily in this command and control structure. Like, I have made it to my career of being right. I am in charge for a reason. Anything you have to say doesn't, doesn't influence that. Um, I think it's an old way. It's an old way of thinking. It's not, it's not gone that's a big challenge, right? So you, sometimes just t- take a little risk uh, and, and kind of feel it out and see where you land. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, just knowing that, how does that affect your ability to come in and help these organizations where there's that hierarchy or there's that command and you just got to follow what I, to, what I say, right? And so how do you add the value or help them to cultivate more of a collaborative and, and being able to communicate with each other to make, you know, the overall mission of the company to get whatever they're, you know, whatever they're trying to do at the end of the day. Yeah. Great question. Um, the first question is, is like, what are you trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. You know, can you achieve what you're trying to do without feedback from anyone? Mm. And you really can't, right. As, they, as they, we all know this. And so the question that is you, you, you do some coaching here is like, how do you want to collect feedback on what you're trying to achieve. Like how do you, is that, is this a daily exercise? Is this a, is this a once and done thing? Like 
we're going to gather everyone together and we're going to put sticky notes on the wall and figure out we're going to come up with a plan. Is, is that the thing or is it a much more daily interactive thing? Trying to figure out how to, I use the word trick, trick someone into trying this as a leader once. Like, hey, what's something that's basically zero risk that you could collect feedback on and act on it? Uh, the one thing I do coach leaders on is don't ask for feedback if you're going to ignore it. Yeah. Because the worst thing you can do is ask for someone's opinion and then just toss it aside. Because mm-hmm. then they're just not going to do anything in the future. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't inspire them at the end. No, no, no it, it, it's, it's demoralizing. It's crushing because then you're like, oh, God, well, if I had a great idea now and they said no, and I'm here to give great ideas and I have great ideas and it's not going to be valued, why am I even here? Yeah. Definitely love that. And another question I had is because I know a lot of our audience members are in transitionary periods of their life, whether it's going from one company to another or leaving a traditional nine to five and starting their own entrepreneurial journey. But what advice would you give to someone who is in a small business or a team of one who's looking to grow and expand into a multi-level corporation? Uh, boy, that's a good one. Um, so right now I'm a, I'm a sole practitioner, right? Um, uh, but I work with businesses of all scales. Um, my biggest advice, uh, in these scenarios is be really thoughtful about what you are great at and go make sure you are investing as much time as you are in those activities. And it's almost like an AB list. I know I'm great at these things. I'm not great at these things. And anything that detracts you from, from, if your sole mission is growth, anything that detracts you from growth is irrelevant, right? So if you have a million people knocking on your door, you know, we were talking about marketing before we started today, right? If you have a million people knocking on your door, you don't need to go hire a marketing person. No. Um, but if you have no one knocking on your door and you're not someone who naturally is very charismatic and engaging, you might need to go find someone to act in that role as a part-time, right? So it's being really critical about your own abilities and where you are right now with your very tactical reality. It doesn't really help if you're trying to focus on where, where I'm going to be in five years. You need to know where you're trying to go. Mm. But if you don't know where you are right now, it's, you know, all, irrelevant. it's all irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the data the data is clear. Like most businesses fail within one year. Yeah. Um, because people just... Either they overextend themselves, they underextend themselves, they don't either have the money to kind of, you know, drag through it. Um, they have great visions, poor execution. I mean, it, it's the whole gamut. But at the end of the day, it's being, I, I'll use the word critical, not in the sense of like negative, but basically very critical in, in understanding what you're good at. And most people don't know how to do that analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you said, you know, it's it comes back to the honesty, right? Like you have to be honest with yourself, especially as an entrepreneur, right? You have to be honest in where you start, yeah, right. And and I think the part of it also is to have that vision, so you don't be like, you know, you got to get excited over something that you're you're working towards, and you may not have all the answers, right. but the goal is to take it step by step. And like you said, you know, if I have to work find a partner to do the marketing, right, and I have to give a piece of the pie, then so be it, right? right? Because it's about it's understanding about putting people together. Right. right, and and I, I think you're in the people's business, or we're all in the people's business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that we cannot do this alone, but we've been, I would say, conditioned over the years to think that we have to do it alone. Right, and it's understanding no, that's not the right way to go about it. I mean, 
there's no right right way, but I think the be- one of the better ways is having a team that can help support and cultivate in the environment to grow where you, where you need to grow at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and th- I think what I'll add to that too is like if you're if you're a small business or you're an owner of a small business with maybe two or three people, right? What is your social network? What is your support network? Right. Um, the the thing that's interesting. Um, Let's just pick on landscaping businesses, right? Because maybe you have 10, 15 people. You have a million competitors, right? But you all have the same challenges. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting choice as a leader. It's like, do I reach out and talk to these other businesses who are my competitors to talk about their challenges, to have someone to listen to that actually understands my my current issues? It's very tough to kind of go out and take that first step of actually building this network of, of my competitors. But that's the only way to build some form of social, social network, a, a, a professional network as well. You know, like who, who do you go have coffee with? Mm. Who, who do you talk to? Like, you know, I talked to a bunch of architects from my, from my workplace world and they're sole practitioners as well. And I'm like, do you go to a coworking space? Like we're here today, right? Oh, well, I don't have anyone to talk to. Like there's, there's no, there's no set frequency. I'm like, well, do you have a, anyone you have a, monthly meeting with online no everyone's busy like, well you need to take very intentional action to go to go make these connections because we're all social animals but we diminish the value of those social connections we always focus on the i have this one issue i gotta tackle right now and it's like i gotta make payroll yes important but you gotta make time for these other connections otherwise you're just going to get drowned in the minutia and then you're going to fall apart yeah Yeah. i have a question so i I like how you touched upon the fact that it's really important to essentially form community right Mm -hmm. and rely on your your peers and to get resources to be successful so what advice would you give to an individual who's looking to grow and become a leader um in i don't know whether it's their own business or trying to grow up in an organization boy uh i'm talking into the mirror in this case (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh uh it's okay to ask for help Okay. Um, I know that myself, I am horrible at asking for help. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's been hard for me to actually in, in my own journey with some of these things is, that, is, is reaching out to my network saying, I need help. I need advice. Um, talk to me about your experience. Um, and I think we're all trained um, societally to, to not ask for help about our professions. Mm-hmm. Um, we're barely, you know, encouraged to talk about help for our, for our personal issues. Um, so I, I think that's the number one thing, right? Is asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of willingness to grow. Mm. Um, the only gamble there is like, is the person I'm talking to receptive to that request? Not just in terms of like, yes, no, I'm willing to help, but more of a, am I diminishing who I am by asking for this assistance? In my experience, um, everyone I've spoken to when I've, sheepishly i'll admit you know because that's just not my personality style ask for help um the first re- question i get back is yes and what do you need from me and so you have to also know what you're seeking if you're just trying to get a friendly ear that's one thing but if you're actually trying to actually make it somewhere you need to know what what this person is what value they have where their role is and how they could possibly help me achieve that and it's okay to ask them for that thing mm-hmm. um that's hard. Yeah. And, and I, find, I find it more, more often than not that people are willing to share that, that knowledge. The, the problem is, it's like, like you were saying, it's like if I give you this advice and you do nothing with it, why would I give you more advice? Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, the the one currency that's brutal is time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all have a set time on this planet, right? And so, how people choose to spend their time is with things that that give them good feelings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, if you're someone who 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 wants to see people grow, you're going to give them the time of day. And it's like, well, it can't always be just a friendly ear. It's like, okay, well, we've been having the same conversation for six months, you know, unless you're, unless you're a professional therapist who gets paid to listen. Like, <laughs> like, like, there by all means, like I just, I just watch the watch. Right? <laughs> um, but, but in, if you're a professional who's trying to, give feedback, right? You have, you have, there, there's, there's a limit, right? Yeah. it's like, okay, if you, if you take the advice and you continue to grow, then oh, I'll give you some more advice. Yeah. It's, it's spoon feeding, but it's like, if you go ask for a thousand people for advice and you can only act on 10% of it, well, then you've kind of diminished your brand to an extent of, and, and the value that you, that they can provide you. Mm-hmm. I think the thing I really liked about what you said in the going out and asking for help it's in the knowing what the help looks like that you'd like to receive. Because I know a lot of people, they ask for help before they try to help themselves. Yeah, yes. But it's also important. I mean, you have two choices. It's okay to say, I need help and I don't know what. Mm-hmm. I'm lost, right? Everyone, everyone hits a point in their life where they truly don't know. They just need to have someone to kind of bounce ideas off of. Mm-hmm. Most people don't respond well in that, right. In that scenario. Cause you, you're just like, well, okay. If it's a really good personal relationship, sure. Right. But if it's a professional relationship, it does, it doesn't usually end well. Right. So if you, if you say like, Hey, I need help. I'm trying to like, you're on, you're an employee at this company. I know you're not the hiring manager. We've got, we've had 15 years together in a relationship. Can you connect me with the, the hiring manager for this department that I'm interested in talking to? Right, that's a perfectly acceptable thing. The connections, almost everyone wants to give connections. Um, So, like, that's a very low transactional penalty, right? But if it it gets meatier, if you're saying, "Look, I need some advice on how do I become a civil engineer? How do I go work in aerospace? How do I go do this?" And and, you know, if you're a college student, or God, I've been encouraging people to have this conversation when you're in high school. Like, how do I connect with people who help have guidance on where I want to go with my career? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most students have no ability to, to, or comfort to reach out beyond, let alone as professionals. Right. So that's where I try to encourage people is like, be a welcoming, you know, when I go to an event, I hand out a box of cards. Like anyone call me anytime. Uh, I handed out, I went to one college once where I handed out an entire box of cards, 500, I receive phone calls from two people. Yeah. So it's such a low transactional cost that like people are worried, like, oh my God, I'm gonna get a million phone calls. I'm like, I would, I wanna get a million phone calls. Mm-hmm. It means I was successful. Yeah. 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 And you're making a difference, right? Because people are reaching out to you and and I think you said it at the beginning, right? Your results speak for itself right. at the end of the day, right? And um I I loved all that, honestly. I do pre- truly appreciate the information so far. Yeah. One question is like, yeah. do you work with individuals? Like not in organizations where, because it's you know what I found is it's a lot of the same problems that we're all dealing with, right? No matter yeah. where you're at, it's learning, it's lack of, um, and I we talked about this when we were at uh, Starbucks mm-hmm. is like the self reflection, yes, and um, being to communicate with, and this has been the theme of our conversations of our communicate with yourself and yes. communicate with others, yes, right, and so and I think we mentioned like the seven habits of highly effective people, mm-hmm. right, and it, it goes to that uh, dependence independence and interdependence, the paradigm of of change, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
And a lot of people are stuck in the dependence part and they don't want to go to the independence part and they don't want to, right? Then after I get to the independence part, I feel confident about myself. I got to be able to communicate with other people, right? right? And, and I think that's the, that's the change that we're promoting for people. But how would, if I'm someone who knows nothing, how would I get started? Or like, because like, like you said, a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, great question. You know, so, so, you know, to answer your first question, mm-hmm. yes, I do work with individuals. Um, and, and so, the, the, the process is almost exactly the same, right? Because as an individual, you are a member of a team. A team is a member of an organization. An organization is a member, member of a company, right? So it's just all building blocks. Um, the first thing is is knowing who you are, knowing what you're great at. Most people don't know, right? They, or they don't know how to put words on it. So I, I help people craft those statements about themselves. That's this genius spark I was mm-hmm. alluding to. The There's an inverse to that is those strengths when overutilized Act like a pulled muscle, right? So the saying I like to have is that the world's fastest man is not usually the strongest or uh, you know weightlifter, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they don't have the same muscles. It just means they're used very very differently. Right? The world's fastest man can run, ain't going to win, you know, you know, hundred meter relay. And so, knowing what you're good at, and knowing how those strengths when they're overexerted show up, those are kind of what we call the bookends. And so the people who are very successful in this in, you know, internal development, in the morning you, you kind of ha- read this statement about yourself. Here's who I am. And if I can go do all these things every single day, I am going to be Superman or Superwoman. And then you go live your day, whether, it is, it's, it's, whether it's family, life, whatever, picking up kids, you know, groceries, you know, doing closing business deals, whatever that is, you live your day. And then you have a very intentional period sometime when you're winding down to kind of look at those, those traits that of when you've described how I pull those muscles. And you read that and you say, did that show up at any point today? And you think a little reflective, like, okay, I went through this situation and I overexerted this skill this way. And then you say, tomorrow's a new day. Because there is no one looking over your shoulder other than yourself to understand did what I do is what I did today better than what I did yesterday, and am I going to be better tomorrow? You know, we are all so stuck in this like absolute frantic pace, uh, and you have to have this very intentional moment to, to understand how am I growing and developing, right? So, people's goals should be how do I use these skills to grow. Where people go wrong is if you have these skills that that show up, and if you're not using them professionally and you aren't using them in your personal life, man, you have a hole in your life. And there was a scenario where I was working with a young woman who she was struggling to communicate. Uh, she's a very futuristic mindset. She could see all these things that were going to go wrong in the program. And her, her managers were like very dismissive. And she's like, well, I'm trying to go help us avoid problems. Isn't that what we're doing? And they're like, no, our job here is doing research. Like we're paid to go through the motions of articulating all the things that go wrong, not skip them. Mm-hmm. And and she realized this, that she couldn't bring that skill to bear. Like, it was completely ignored. I'm like, well, are you, are you able to apply that in any way in your personal life? And she's like, no. I'm like, well, you have a decision to make, right? Are you going to be miserable because you can't, like, plaster over this piece of your life? This is you. And are you going to show up every single day with this pulled muscle where you are frustrated that you cannot communicate and prevent people from making mistakes and she's like i have to make a change i'm like you said it what's the change and she she actually ended up quitting her job she moved halfway across the country and take another job 
who at, an, at a firm that is much more receptive to this feedback, right? And she's happy as can be um, because she's realizing that she's able to use this skill every single day and it becomes very natural. Like that's the, that's the, the clothes you wear. That's who you are. And you have to be put yourself in those moments to use those skills. And if you don't, you, you're you're in for a very miserable experience. Yeah, because I find like the the unhappiness comes from us having that internal dialogue where I want to do this, but I, my everyday life is showing me not doing that. Right. And um, I think it goes to a little bit what Tony Robbins talks about the six human needs. Like we all have these different human needs, some more than others, mm-hmm. and you're satisfying them or not satisfying in some way. It could be positive or it could be you know, negative. It could be either or, but right. they're being satisfied at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think the, 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 the challenge is, is that most people don't know how to put words on what they're good at. And that's really the first step. If you, if you can't articulate what you're good at and use that as a lens on where you're trying to go professionally or personally, it's very tough to, to make intentional progress you just kind of muddle through things and you kind of experiment and you figure out what you're good at so the power to know who you are is actually it's 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 like a it's like a suit of armor right it's like oh this this will protect me from all these things around me that i didn't know how to protect that doesn't mean you can't do these other things like um a quick story uh so um most of my traits are very thinking based um i i have very few emotional focus traits, which is kind of funny as someone who does a lot with people. Um, uh, so data shows that most people actually don't have empathy and empathy being defined as the ability to put oneself one in one's shoes, like automatically. Um, that doesn't mean that I cannot be empathetic. I like to think I'm a very empathetic person, but for me, the way I have, have empathy is by the act of asking questions that use my very analytical brain to create an image of what empathy looks like for this person. Mm. So it's what are the skills that you need to bring to bear in a situation and how do your inherent skills mask that that uh, weaker muscle? And it's basically figuring out, like, what are the pathways that allow me to use my current skills to in the situation to make up for these deficiencies? So that I could, you know, you know, the world's fastest man, the world's strongest runner analogy is like, hey, well, maybe the world's you know strongest man wears a jetpack and can suddenly accelerate past the world's fastest man. That's that's the trick here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how would you recommend someone going about and discovering their own jetpack to stick to your analogy? Aside from the traditional assessment test that we talk about, that tend to really yeah. be two dimensional. Yeah. So so. Uh, well, the, the, the assessments are, are good because they, they allow you to put an initial set of words in, in, as a starting point. Um, I find it actually very valuable, right? But it's not, it's not the thing that gets you over the line. Um, the first kind of thing I would recommend is, like, if you're trying to muddle through this, is, like, step, step back and say, what actually gives me happiness, right? Because usually what gives you happiness implies what you're good at. Um, and, you know, what... What makes me feel good day after day? And use that as a starting point, right? And say, well, then what are the, what are the types of things I do that allow that to bring me happiness? That's a way to back into that. Um, but whatever the key is, is you need to come up with, like, what this situation is that allows you to put words on how you're awesome every day 
Because if you're not doing this bookend kind of concept on every single day, you are missing out on opportunity, right? I, I love seeing the memes come up. It's like, well, 1% every day equates to this over 10 years kind of thing. Um, and the math, it's, I mean, it's math. It's true. I love it. Um, so every day is an opportunity for just a little bit of growth and reflection. You know, you're not going to go change the world in one day. But you can change yourself slowly over time. I mean, it's like glacially slow. But doing nothing is truly doing nothing. Yeah. And you 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 feel that like you're not doing nothing. You can kind of feel it weighing you down when you decide, you know, I know I should be doing this, but I'm not doing this. And it and it creates that internal like the internal friction that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. It's kind of like a guilty subconscious that you you hear and feel. Oh yeah, it, it yeah. eats at you, right? And and so if you're not able to listen to yourself i mean the, the the trick for me right is like there there are people who have a very good internal compass right who can kind of like put words on this and and, and they can visualize it without actually articulating it most people can't right yeah. so so for me this is like a very you know objective intrinsic thing that i can like literally hold in my hands that i have crafted that i share with other people like this is who i am mm-hmm. This is how you can expect me to show up. If you want the best from me, because everyone, I think everyone wants to be the best. Like no one wakes up and says, you know what, today I'm going to be, I'm, I'm not going to be a good person. <laughs> I'm going to choose mediocrity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, 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 so, so if you, if you start from a place where everyone wants to be better, the only question is, is how do we be better? Yeah. And there is no really, there's no one that's going to be able to tell you other than yourself with any form of measurement of what am I doing today? compared to yesterday, compared to tomorrow, right? So if you have this vision of yourself at your best, this allows you to look forward into what activities do I have to do in life? You know, how am I, just like today, how am I going to show up meeting with you all? You know, how am I going to show up when I have to go meet with a client and knowing who they are and and their challenges, right? And if I have to meet with, with a client who is extremely emotionally focused on their skills, like that is someone that is just not who I am. So I have to go understand how I'm communicating to them using emotional language, using emotional words that are compelling. Like compelling is a great word because it's, it's universal whether or not you're a data person or you're an emotion person. Compelling is like what's the language you use to, to elicit action and eliciting action from yourself is the first step um you know i love uh, you know i love this it, it really what popped into my mind was that you know we we're coaches but we're really personal trainers but on the mindset side right Correct. it's like our job is to help you cultivate the identity um that self-image that allows you to accomplish the goals that you're not accomplishing accomplishing now right. Right. And I think I don't remember who I heard it from, um, but it was like something similar lines like you can't outwork your own self image. Right. It was like if you see yourself as a 50K year man, you're always be a 50K year man, even though you want to read 100K and you'll do whatever you need to do. But if you can't see it within your mind, um, believe it and work on the person that is the person that gets 100K. You'll, you'll never get there. And that, that starts with the honesty. That starts with reflection. And then it's like, okay, what skills am I willing to learn? And what's because I'm not willing to learn, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, using that analogy, you know, there, the one risk to that, right, is like if you, if you look at, if there is someone that you personify as success and you understand their, their behaviors and their traits, people who just mirror behaviors and traits are almost always doomed to fail. Yeah. Uh, again, similar conversation with the client. They're like, well, I'm trying to get promoted. 
this leader responds this way. They have these personality traits. It's not me. And they say that they're looking for someone that is going to be their junior in this, in this role. Should I just basically go toss my stuff aside and go try to be this new person? And, you know, it, it doesn't work, right? Because you're, you're, it's, it's like you have created imposter syndrome, right? You know, it's like a, you, it's literally I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing trying to do something completely and utterly different. And you might get the promotion. You might make a, a bunch of money. And if you're someone like let's say this person values just being superly blunt and direct regardless of the, what people say about it, like you become this person who's just harsh and just don't care and you're someone who's naturally a very caring person, you're going to just chew away at your insides, right? Mm. Um, and then that's not being truthful and honest to yourself. And then you're like, oh, God, who the hell am I, right? And so I always caution people to be very careful on emulating behaviors because how people got where they are <laughs> is not always how you want to get yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very everyone's true. journey is very different. And, and you don't know, right? Because everyone... We're, we're unfortunately we're only as 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 open as we're we're willing to be. So people get places by not sharing, right? So you see someone who's who's successful, but you don't really know how they got there, yeah. and so you don't know if it's in an unscrupulous way, if they were born into money, if they are just a hard worker, whatever it is. And you can't always trust what people say either, right? So mm-hmm. you know how do you how do you get where you want to go by being true to yourself? But it still requires you to know who you are, like what am how am I going to show up today and how do I use this to get where I want to go? Yeah. And it might not be this, like I want to be a billionaire. That might not be what you want because uh, money doesn't buy happiness. It does money, money allows certain happiness things to occur, um, but it, it doesn't solve problems and it, it, it can mask a million others. Love that. And I do just want to ask you one final question. It's a question that I like to ask a lot of people, especially people in your position where you've had these years of expertise and you have all this experience under your belt. And it's if you could go back and speak to yourself at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, boy. I have never thought of this question. <laughs> um, I, I would say this. Um, as stressful as everything is, it will all work out. Um, you know, everyone has highs and lows. And if you're, a, if you're an entrepreneur – that roller coaster is is wicked extreme, right? It's like, um, and so, you know, just knowing that it will all work out. It's a very zen like thing to say, but like you know, just work through it. Be true to yourself. Be honest with what you're trying to accomplish, and then just go through the motions, right? Um, don't compromise your beliefs your morals just to go move something somewhere right um thinking through that there was a period of time in my life where like i you know i I was i was affected by the dot-com bust um and i took a job with my alma mater um without a guarantee they basically said move back across the country we think we have something for you. I'm like, you think? They're like, well, we're trying to get this grant, but we haven't been awarded it, so we're not sure. I'm like, well, you want me to move in back to Maine in the middle of a blizzard? They're like, yes. Um, and I did that, and it all just kind of worked out. Like, so that kind of leap of faith of like confidence that all is all going to work out. And like, but you have to have a support structure around mm-hmm. you. Doing it solo is hard. 
So definitely make sure you have you have that, and then and then just trust your belief system and your your compass, and it all will guide you. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, didn't want to end on your question because what you just <laughs> said there is like having a support system. Um, would you say that your uh, wife or your partner helped a lot in that in your in your growth in your journey? Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, to this day, my my wife Margaret, she she's awesome. Um, you know, and she's like. Eric, everything's going to work out. I'm like, yeah, but I got, got these 86 things to worry about. Like, I don't know how this is going to work out. And she's like, Eric, it's going to be fine. Like, you know this. Like, you mm-hmm. know your skills. Work work through this. So as much as all of this that I do to help other people, it's to help myself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And so being true to myself is being true to my clients, right? It's like we we all have these challenges. Everyone experiences them slightly differently you need to have people around you that both understand and are willing to talk about those things. And then just a friendly face saying it's going to be fine. I mean that you got to have a support network. Yeah, You can't do it all alone. Oh no. It's very hard. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but I mean, we don't want to take up all of your Saturday. So could you please let our audience know how and where they can connect with you for more information, for coaching, for insights? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So probably the best way to get in contact with me is on LinkedIn right now. Yeah, that's that's the name of the game. Um, I'm on there as Eric Wages. Um, you know, I'd love to chat and hear about anyone's challenges, what you're facing. You know, I'd also love to hear, frankly, what, what works for you. Um, I learn from others right? just as much. I, I have some answers, but my whole worldview changes every single day by what I learn from others. And so share with me what works. I'd like to know. Love that. So you guys heard it here first. Reach out to Eric on his LinkedIn to chat for insights, to give him insights, maybe grab some coffee at a working space. And as always, you can always feel free to reach out to any of us. You can connect with us at Success System Podcast on Instagram, or you can reach out to any of us individually. Myself, you can find me on Instagram and or TikTok at I am Coach DT. That is D as in Dave, T as in Thomas. You can find me on Instagram, Coach Amadeus, A-M-A-D-E-U-S. And you can connect with me on Instagram at I am Sherry J. That is S-H-E-R-R-I-J. As always, this is the Success System Podcast. We are way too spicy and we will see you next time. Have a great night or morning if that's morning you listen to it. Peace.